You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. The book of Psalms, and uh, I want you to listen as we read these verses out of Psalm 102. Psalm 102. I don't know how many of you realize this, but the book of Psalms, as we just closed our hymn books this morning and sat them down, then we opened up the Hebrew song book. Uh, this is actually the, this would have been the hymn book that the Israelites sang out of. So it's a really cool thing when you think about they sung uh, these songs. Every one of them were songs. They were hymns, if you will. And they were, uh, uh, they were written in Hebrew, so they probably flowed a little bit better than we would sing them <laughs> in English. But regardless, uh, as I'm reading these verses out of Psalm 102 this morning, I want you to listen very closely. And if you would, I wonder if you would help me try to diagnose what the psalmist is experiencing. Help me diagnose. See if you can recognize, perhaps you can identify with what the psalmist is experiencing because today we're going to address a subject that we may all need help with at some time or the other. There's some of you listening today that may desperately need help in regard to the subject that we're going to deal with. In Psalm 102, verse 6, the Bible says, the psalmist says, I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I watch in him as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. A pelican in the wilderness, an owl in the desert, as a sparrow alone on the housetop. What the psalmist is experiencing in the verses that I just shared with you is loneliness. Loneliness. Again, a pelican in the wilderness, out nowhere where anybody uh, knows or cares. An owl in the desert. And who gives a hoot? I'm sorry. I'm a preacher and I'm a dad. I got to tell bad jokes, okay? That's uh, just part of the job, okay? But listen, I watch him as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. You don't see, you don't look, you don't, you're not ever just driving down the road and see a sparrow on the housetop somewhere and say, ooh, stop, look everybody, a sparrow's on the top of that house. Nobody thinks about it. Nobody really seems to care. And today, I want to talk to you about loneliness. We'll see today how dire of a situation loneliness really is. Now, this may seem to some of you like an odd message to deal with. What I want to tell you is that it's a very pertinent message in our world today, and it's a very biblical message. And what I want us to see is the situation is dire, but also I want us to discover that, praise God, there is hope for you in Jesus Christ. I don't care what your problem may be today. I'm glad I can tell you about a Savior who knows you, loves you, cares about you, and will save you and transform your life. And that's good news. Now, in regards to loneliness, poet John Milton pointed out, he said that loneliness is the first thing which God's eye named not good. 
He said it's the first thing that God's eye named not good. After God was creating uh, in, in the process of creation, and he said he created this and it was good, and he created that and it was good, he created man and it was good, but then he saw that it was not good for man to be alone. So God created him a help me. He created somebody to be with him. Now, of course, this was uh, the, the first marriage when God brought Eve, uh, made Eve, brought Eve to Adam. But he said it's not good for man to be alone. Loneliness, I want to begin by saying that loneliness is a common fact. Uh, Dr. Paul Turnier, uh, a Swiss psychologist, said the most devastating malady of this age is loneliness. The most devastating malady of this age is loneliness. Again, uh, Jesus said it's, or God said it's not good for man to be alone, but now that does not mean that there's anything wrong with having solitude. We're not, we're not talking about getting off by yourself, you know, getting off in, in just where you can clear your thoughts, clear your head. This, loneliness is not solitude. Loneliness, in a sense, isn't really being lonesome. You know, I mean, in the sense to where you're away from home, you're, you're, you're missing your family. You're missing somebody in your life. You're, you're lonesome. We're not talking about just these more fleeting feelings, but I'm talking about not, not something that's isolation as much as it is insulation. Feeling cut off, feeling unnoticed like this pelican or this sparrow or this owl, feeling unloved, uncared for, unneeded, and unnecessary. See, everybody that's ever lived has some basic needs. And I, I believe among these, if these don't cover them all, I believe that everybody has the need to be accepted, to be included, to be loved and approved. Everybody has the need of appreciation, to be thanked, encouraged for what you've done. The need of affection, to be cared for with gentle touch, nurture, uh, Michael brought up these uh, facts last night at our Bible study in Akron, but it was interesting. There was a study done, and I can't cite when the study was done, but I can remember it sounds like a rather cruel study, but it was a study they did on infant, on newborns. And on, they, they had a set of newborns. They divided them into uh, two groups. One group they would treat as you would normally treat a newborn. You would hold them, love them, uh, you know, uh, try to give them all the nurture and, and, and affection that you would expect a newborn to need. But they had another group that they only did the bare minimum for. They made sure they had food. They made sure their diapers were changed, but no touching, no, no extra touching, no affectionate touching. Uh, they actually had to call the study off when infants begin in the, in the group that of no touching begin to die. And everybody needs affection. Everyone needs access. In other words, to have some kind of constant emotional contact. Everyone needs attention to be heard and understood, to be cared for. Everybody needs affirmation to have their feelings affirmed and validated, and everyone needs safety, the assurance of safety, to feel safe, protected, and provided for. Now, it is when these needs aren't met that people begin to develop emotional problems, sometimes spiritual problems. It's, it's, it's also a deficit in having these needs met that make people oftentimes turn to vice, to alcohol, to other addictions, to abuse, 
some to even violence. Uh, these are things that trigger people to get involved and turn toward things. You know, I've talked recently about the, epidem the epidemic of pornography. Uh, pornography is a place, sometimes, pornography oftentimes isn't uh, the, the, the problem. Sometimes it's, it's a symptom of the problem. Many things that we see in our society, they are problems, but they're symptoms of greater problems. And I just want to tell you right now that every one of these needs are met in Jesus Christ. Every one of these needs are met in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of the, what are some of the causes for loneliness? Uh, sometimes it can be a feeling of rejection. Uh, you know, you've, uh, maybe you've put yourself out there, you've been rejected by someone, you've been rejected by a group. Uh, there, there's people uh, that have gone through the traumatic experience of divorce uh, that, that, that still struggle with feelings of loneliness. Uh, rejection. It could be a younger person, as we'll see in just a moment. Feeling of rejection, feelings of insecurity. Here's a big problem. What can happen in some people's life is that they can develop a, 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 an image to where they have no self-worth. They don't see themselves of worthy of love. They don't see themselves worthy of friendship, of care, of any of these other things. And here's one of the great problems very carefully because it could be that there's some in here that either have done this or are doing this. So what some people do when they experience these emotional trauma, they instead of building bridges, they begin to build walls. They begin to build walls. There are people around you that care. There are people around you that want to make a difference in your life, but you get in your mind so much, and, and you've been rejected once, so you don't want to try to make an effort again. There's people that have been, What about people who have been hurt in church? By the, way, by the way, if you want to see some people that have been hurt in church, look around you and you will see people that have been hurt in church. There's many that are here that way, but sadly there's a lot more that aren't here because of that. And you know what? They're scared to death to don a church door. You know why? What if they get rejected again? What if they get hurt again? I can't believe some of the stories I've heard about the way people have been treated in church. It's a downright shame. And I would never defend. I mean, you, you want to get me fired up? Get me talking about the way churches have treated people. Uh, it's, I'm telling you, they will, they will give an account to God one day these things. But the point is, is people are scared to be rejected again, so they begin to build walls instead of bridges to other people. In other words, be careful. Loneliness, one of the things that loneliness sometimes results in is you begin to build a wall to keep other people out. And all you're doing is making your situation worse. Hey, some of you have walls right now that are this high. You need to get that tore down before they get this high, before you don't allow somebody else to get in. And so uh, sorrow. So what happens with loneliness is people lose perspective. They start getting this feeling. Have you ever felt this way? Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Nothing makes any sense. No one cares. No one cares. There's a sorrow. But I want to say this. You've got to be careful because sometimes loneliness comes from selfishness. Selfishness. Now, again, there's things that can just lead us into loneliness, that we just find ourselves there. But the point is, is when we get there, we don't need to build, build walls. We need to try to build a bridge. And uh, selfishness. Someone once said that no life is so empty as a self-centered life. As a 
life. There's no life so empty as a self-centered life. So God knew when he made the crown of creation that man would need companionship and fellowship. God met that need. When the first humans sinned, however, a wedge was driven for the first time between them and God, between husband and wife. Sin entered the world, and with it, conflict, selfishness, and loneliness. In order to help us with these difficulties, God has shared His desire and guidance through His Word. I want to emphasize, if you'll just bear with me a little bit longer, I'm trying to lay to the foundation to tell you why this is such a serious issue. Uh, one psychologist said this, that 80% of people uh, seeking help suffered from loneliness. Uh, alcohol, overeating, sleeping too much, not sleeping enough, these are often things that result from loneliness. Jennifer Wolf said this, if loneliness is a disease, it's one that has reached pandemic pr proportions. The lockdown, the, the current state of our country has fed into loneliness, depression, and mental health. Stress and isolation, fear of the unknown are all issues that are increasingly intensifying right now. Generation Z, which is the young generation coming up now, the title for it, Generation Z and is already increasing mental health and loneliness concerns that were observed among the populations prior to the COVID-19 outbreak. This generation has learned to communicate with their thumbs, not with their tongues. They might be connecting with people on the Internet, but they're not relating to people on the Internet. It's amazing, isn't it? In the most connected our world has ever been, people have never been more disconnected. People have never been less uh, emotionally developed. Whereas, th this, this, this is from a uh, University of Southern California uh, professor, uh, and uh, his name is... Uh, uh, Varun Sunai, he's the Dean of Religious Life at University of Southern California, but he said this, he said, when students used to ask, how, they used to ask the question, how should I live? They are now more likely to ask, why should I live? Uh, he's been uh, there at U University of Southern California, I think, 20, 30 years at least, but he said, they used to ask, how should I live? He said, now they ask, why should I live? Whereas they used to talk about hope and meaning, now they grapple with hopelessness and meaningless. Every year it seems that I encounter more stress, anxiety, depression, and more students in crisis on campus. Uh, another thing he's, he, he went on to say, what I've noticed in my work with students is that many of them face the same hidden root challenge, loneliness. According to a recent survey by the Global Health Science or the Global Health Service Company, Cigna, the loneliest generation in the United States today is not the oldest Americans. We talk about loneliness. You can, you're maybe sitting there thinking, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not elderly. I'm not uh, shut in. But the highest uh, percentage is among the youngest of, um, uh, youngest of young adults. 
especially between the ages of 18 and 22, but there was another study that is between the ages of 7 and 22 that studies showed were the loneliest people, the loneliest group of people. The growth of social media and warning person-to-person uh, -person contact um, uh, former Surgeon General said that loneliness is a worldwide epidemic. That loneliness is a worldwide epidemic and it could be lethal. A survey of, uh, of 20,000 U.S. adults by Cigna, the loneliest members of Generation Z, uh, and it said that loneliness is the silent killer. I've just got a couple more of these, just bear with me. The New York Daily News, August 3rd, 2019, reports that more than 20% of millennials, listen to this, that more than 20% of millennials surveyed in a poll claim that they did not have a single friend. That one in five people uh, that, that are the millennial age said they did not have a single friend. Julianne Holt Lundstand, a professor of psychology at Brigham Young University, has discovered in her research that loneliness reduces people's lifespan by the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness, she said, reduces people's lifespan as the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Um, Natalie Rahal, um, a Harvard doctor, said, why loneliness is so dangerous to your health, studies show that nearly half of Americans say they are lonely some or all of the time. Social isolation has been linked to a higher risk of death and disease like heart disease and life-threatening events like strokes. Uh, only, only around half of Americans say they have a meaningful daily face-to-face -face social interaction. Uh, loneliness, public health experts tell us, is killing as many people as obesity and smoking. Former Surgeon General Murthy wrote in the Harvard Business Review that we live in the most te technological, technologically connected age in, hi in the history of civilization, yet rates of loneliness have doubled since the 80s, okay? So I said all that to say that it's a problem. It's an epidemic. I'm not just preaching on something that's not biblically relevant or relevant in our society today. And again, this is before uh, this year. But I'm telling you, it's just increasing more and more in this year. So we see the fact that there is a common fact of loneliness. The loneliness is also a crippling force, but I want to give you the message today on this. Loneliness is a conquerable foe. <laughs> what is the answer to this loneliness? Amen. It's not a what, is it? Who? <laughs> That's the answer to this loneliness. It's a conquerable foe. I mean, it's Jesus Christ. Did you know that the Lord Jesus Christ experienced loneliness? Loneliness is not a sin. If you're, if you're experiencing loneliness, don't think that I'm picking on you today. I'm not. I'm trying to help you today. Because it's not a sin. What happens is that sin can result from it. But loneliness in and of itself, think about the Lord Jesus Christ. What the Bible says about Him. He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Think about it. He came to his own, but his own received him not. See, Jesus, one of the reasons that he can help you in your and through your loneliness is because he's been there. 
Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Hallelujah. Jesus knows what you're experiencing. He knows what it feels like to be rejected. He knows what it feels like to be despised. He knows what it feels like. You think about the Lord Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. Jesus on the cross died like no one else has ever died. Not in the sense that he was crucified. Many were crucified, but in this sense. Nowhere, no time do we ever have it recorded to where someone was dying and, at the, and, and leading up to their death, God the Father totally deserted and turned their back on them. But that happened to Jesus Christ. Now you may feel like God's deserted you and turned His back on you, but I can promise you today He's not. He's not. Jesus went through things that where, where, you, where he would be able to help and strengthen and encourage you. So I've got to say just three things quickly that I believe that God gave us to help combat loneliness. loneliness. The number one thing I believe is the atoning work of Christ. The atoning work of Christ. The Bible says we see this in his work. The atoning work of Christ. Romans 5, verse 10, the Bible says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the atonement. We have received the atonement. See, the greatest need of mankind is not loneliness per se. I said that it's, a, it's on epidemic proportion. However, the greatest need is for man to know his God. Amen? To be forgiven of their sins and to be saved. And what that does is it brings the atonement. It reconciles. It, it brings two parties together. Because outside of Christ, you are not going to find hope in this world. You're not going to find hope in religion. You're not going to find hope in dope. You're not going to find hope in education or science. You will only find hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and His atoning work. Now, the motivation is not to remedy my loneliness in that sense. The, 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 the motivation is to understand that I've sinned against a thrice holy God and there's literal judgment in hell to pay, but that He loved me enough to take that hell, to take that judgment, to take that punishment on Himself that I might be saved. But in doing that, in coming to Christ, in being saved by God's grace, the Bible says in those verses I read to you that he reconciled. It says that a couple times. But then it says that we've received the atonement. The atonement. The atonement. That's a beautiful word. Atonement, it's cool because it's a word that you can break down in a simple form and understand the meaning of it. Atonement. It's spelled A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T. See, the atonement really kind of carries this idea. Atonement is at one meant. At one. That's what it does. It brings us and God together. That relationship that was severed in the Garden of Eden is restored. And you find true purpose and meaning when you're forgiven for the trespasses and sins that we are guilty of. 
The Bible says this in Ephesians 2.14, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So we see Christ is the answer to loneliness in his work. Christ is the answer to loneliness in his walk. The Bible says this, There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Proverbs 18.24. Amen. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's been uh, many years ago since I trusted Christ as my Savior, since I asked for forgiveness and He saved my soul. But I want to tell you something. Since that time, He's been closer than a brother. Amen. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. And if you're saved, you can say the exact same thing. Now, do I feel that He's always been there? Do I feel? No, no, no. I'm not talking about feeling. I'm talking about the fact. He's always been there, amen? I, I'm here today because God's great. I'm, I'm not here today because I've walked an easier path than you've walked. I'm here today because I've had somebody walking that path with me, amen? I'm here today because I've had somebody carrying me on that path when I couldn't make it myself, amen? Hallelujah for a Savior. He's a friend. Loneliness, He's a friend. I like what the Bible says here. The Bible says in Luke 7, verse 34, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to get ahead of myself on this one, but the Bible says that he is, a, he is a friend of publicans and sinners. <laughs> Boy. Woo! Oh, Jesus trod this earth. And he did, he did not say, I need to go find the finest, prettiest, most wealthy, most put-together people in society I can find. Oh, no, no. He went to those homeless people. He went to the prostitutes. He went to the drunks. Because you know why? He knew they needed a friend. Let me tell you something. They still need a friend. We still need a friend. Amen. The Bible says, and such were some of you. I'm glad we have a Savior that was a friend to me. Amen. And he'll be a friend to you. I, I don't care. I do care if you've been rejected by everybody else. But what I'm saying is, even if you've been rejected by everybody else in this world, I'm telling you there's a Savior in heaven that will not reject you. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord says, as many as the Father has given me, he said, they shall come to me, and they that come to me I will in no wise cast out. You come to him, you're invited. You're accepted. Oh, my friend, you're taking in arms wide open. Boy, I just want to tell you about Jesus for a moment, amen, if you'll let me. Hallelujah. He's a good Savior. He's a gracious Savior. He's a loving Savior. He does not draw a line and say, get yourself together and I'll let you in. No, no. He says, he says, come. Oh, my friend, the Bible says he come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's looking for you. You feel alone. You feel deserted. You feel forsaken. He's looking for you. He reaches out his hand to you. Would you come to him today? If you have not come to him, would you please come to him today? If you're not saved, oh, my friend, his walk. I like this. John 15, 15, he says, I've called you my friends. My friends. Oh, man, listen, I gave that stat earlier that uh, uh, one in five millennials say they don't have one friend in this world. Hey, one in five millennial, I'd like to introduce you to one. Amen. I'd like to introduce you to one. The atoning Christ, that's one of the, God's answers for loneliness. Another one I want to give you quickly is this. 
He, listen, not only the atoning uh, work of the Christ, but also the abiding work of the Comforter. The abiding work of the Comforter. One of the key words in the book of Genesis is walked with God. You say, what, what do you mean the comforter? See, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit of God, the comforter, he says, when I go away, the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God will come to you. That comforter, that means a one who's called alongside to help. Help what? Help you walk through this life. Help you face whatever it is that you may have to face. Oh, the atoning work of Christ, the abiding work of the Comforter. In the Old Testament, men like Adam, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, they were noted because they walked with God. They were notable. But by the time you get from Genesis to Exodus, you find out that there's a change that was taking place. God was no longer content to just walk with men. He lived or dwelt with them. God said to, uh, to Moses in Exodus 25, verse 8, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. See, God had been walking with man, but he said, No, that's not good enough. I want to come live with you. I want to be your neighbor. I want to live right there among you. And, uh, and that's what they, they had the tabernacle, and they, they dedicated the tabernacle. And folks, the glory of the Lord came down to the tabernacle. God dwelt among his people. He did not dwell and stay within the bodies of those, but he dwelled among them. Unfortunately, the nation sinned, and God's glory departed. Years later, God used Solomon to build a temple. And once again, God, God came down and dwelt there in that temple among his people, as it were. I mean, he, he dwelt there. He came down to be a light, not to just Israel, but to the whole world. But history repeated itself, and Israel disobeyed God and was taken into captivity. The gorgeous temple was destroyed. One of the prophets of the captivity, Ezekiel, saw the glory depart from the temple. Now, did the glory ever return after that temple was destroyed? The good, the good news is yes. <laughs> Yes, the glory returned because now God said, I'm not just going to walk with you. I'm not just going to dwell among you, but I'm going to come in flesh and walk among you. I'm going to come become one of you. God's glory. The Bible says uh, he came into his own, his own received him not. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh and dwelt among us. But what happened? Sinful men rejected and crucified him. But I'm glad God was not done yet. <laughs> oh, my friend, the glory, uh, the glory of God dwelt on earth in the body of Christ. But when they, uh, when they crucified him, the Bible says they crucified the Lord of glory. God was not done because Jesus said, when I go away, I'm sending the Holy Spirit of God. <laughs> God, I, God, God's going to be coming to you, but God's not just going to come to walk with you. God's not just going to come and be your neighbor. God's not just going to come and walk among you. God, amen, is going to come live and dwell inside of you. <laughs> Woo, that's good, ain't it? What a good God. What a great plan. What a merciful God that he would do this. Oh, my friends, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. The glory of God departed from the tabernacle and from the temple. But, folks, glory to God. The Bible says the Holy Spirit of God will never depart from the child of God. 
You'll never be alone. Amen. You'll never be alone. If you're a child of God, you may indeed. See, loneliness is not just for people that aren't saved. There are people who are, lonely, who are experiencing loneliness that are saved. But what I want to tell you today is, the same to the unsaved person, you don't have to experience it. You don't have to dwell in it. You don't have to build those walls in. Amen? So, the Spirit of God, the love of God. Now, in what we find out is that the Word of God is, proclaims God's love. The cross proved God's love. But did you know this? The Bible says that God's love is perfected in us in 1 John chapter 4. So His love is proved at the cross, proclaimed in the Word, but then it is perfected in the believer. You say, how's that possible? And that gives us to our last point. Number one, the first point is this, that God, His cure for loneliness is the abiding, or the, the atoning work of Christ. Number two, is the abiding work of the Comforter. Number three, is the affectionate work of the church. The affectionate work of the church. Um, Dr. Roger McIntyre, professor of psychiatry and pharmacology at the University of Toronto and the head of the Mood Disorders Psychopharmacology Unit and University Health Network in Toronto, was quoted recently uh, by saying, the literature around religiosity and spirituality is very clear. Church attendance, for example, has been shown to reduce suicides in a robust way. It decreases mental health illness. It decreases drug and alcohol issues. And so we really encourage that. Uh, listen, I wish I could give you all these verses. I'm not going to take the time to do it today, but I've got a couple pages of them, of verses that talk about one another. I'll just give you a couple. I'm talking about the affectionate ministry of the church. Here's what Jesus said in John 13, 34. A new, new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. One another. Just look up the one another's in the Bible. That ye love one another as I've loved you, so you ought to love one another. So that means we ought to love each other within this church. I'm glad we've got a church that loves people. We don't have a perfect church, but we have a church that loves one another. Amen? We care about one another. We uh, pray for one another. We're there for one another. He said, love one another, the affectionate, the affectionate uh, ministry and work of the church. Love one another. Love this world. You know what the job of the church is? See, Jesus said, as I am, so are ye in this world. And when he prayed to the Father in John 17, he says, I'm going away. But he was praying for us to continue the work that he started. What does that mean? That means, among other things, let's go back to Jesus. This group of people right here, we need to be a friend of publicans and sinners. We need to be a friend to that downtrodden person, Amen. to the rejects of society, to the dirtbags that people consider them to be. We need to be their friend. We need to love them. Sure, we need to give them a gospel track and invite them to church. But I'm telling you, we need to try to build a relationship with somebody. Take them out to eat. Well, they don't have a car, and I don't know if I want them in my car, preacher. That, this particular person smells horrible. Roll the window down. Reach them for Jesus. Amen? Amen. 
This person has a terrible mouth, Pastor. Of course they do. They need Jesus. I'm telling you, church, God help Elk Point Baptist Church to be a friend of sinners. God help us to, uh, to, to see what this world... God help us to think about the, the millennials. They don't have a friend. I said they had a friend in Jesus, and they do, but they need to have a friend in us. Um, the affectionate ministry of the church... The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 10, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Uh, so, affectioned one to another. The Bible says we should receive one another. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, that we should admonish one another, encourage one another. Uh, the Bible says that we should serve in love, serve one another. Some people only want to serve when they're getting something out of it or it benefits them. That's kind of missing the point of service. You know, and some people, by the way, some people, listen, I want, I want this church to, to be a, a serving church, and we are a serving church. Uh, but man, if we have a church full of people that just want to be served, we're not going to be able to do a lot for Christ, amen? We need to serve, amen? Uh, so serve one another in love, he says. Bear one another's burdens. Forbear one another. You know what that means? Put up with each other. I'll tell you one thing, if you come to this church, you're going to have to put up with me. That's not always easy to do. I might sing, get mixed up and sing verses all over the place and I'm singing a hymn and you wonder what's going on up there. Some of you nurses were about to come up here and think something bad was happening. I need to check that guy out. Something's going wrong in his brain. Uh, but you got to forbear, we got to forbear one another. <laughs> we got to put up with each other. That person is so annoying, somebody might say. Yeah, they are, but they're my brother and my sister. Amen? And they need love and they need Christ. Uh, they, they, and, and so forth. We, we, we forbear one another. Well, the Bible says, uh, be tenderhearted. Uh, be, be kind one to another. It doesn't cost a thing to be kind. Be kind one to another. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. The Bible says, comfort one another. The Bible says, exhort one another. The Bible says consider one another. The Bible says we love one another. Uh, and so what I'm telling is this. God's remedy for loneliness, number one, is the atoning work for Christ. Number two is the abiding work of the Holy Spirit. Number three is the affectionate work and ministry of the church. And remember, the church isn't me. The church is each of us, amen? All of us together. And so uh, in closing this morning, I want to encourage you in that, and then I also want to say, just a, a few ways that might help you to quit feeling so lonely. Uh, you may be saved and yet feel incredibly lonely today. Here's a practical pointer for overcoming your loneliness. Quit dwelling on it. Quit building the wall. Instead of dwelling on it, which is the easiest thing to do, this is going to be a really, this, these next two words are going to be very, very challenging. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but if you want to overcome your loneliness, reach out. Reach out. Do not insulate yourself. Reach out to someone else who's lonely. And see, I understand that you may be lonely. You may just be a very introverted person. Preacher, I'm not like you. I can't just go up and start talking to random people and, and put myself out there in a the crowd. You don't have to be. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm talking to find one person that you can reach out to. And initially, it may not even be with speaking. But think about this. We have nursing homes and assisted livings around here, retirement centers. Now, many of them are closed. 
I just offered uh, to uh, a nurse uh, uh, Friday, I said, can I come and do something at the nursing home? She was like, well, you can go around to the windows. I was like, I'll go around to the windows, right? If you're lonely, you could do that. She said, that's way out of my comfort, uh, comfort zone. You know, there's some uh, neonatal units, and, and the, the doctors and nurses here could help me with this, but there's places that, uh, that allow volunteers to come hold babies. Rock ba I mean, I, I, and I know right now during COVID, that's, again, not an option. But I'll tell you some things that are options. There's people that may be on your street. You may know, you may know someone lonely on your street. A widow, a, 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 a somebody that just, you know what? You don't have to say one word. You can just go by and leave a note on their door and maybe uh, a basket of fruit, a plate, something. You don't have to say, but start thinking about somebody else besides yourself. Um, find some elderly people that live alone. A young person who needs a friend. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the kids that maybe aren't in a group, they're, they're not part of something. Man, you know, Epic does a great job, Michael and Hannah, trying to reach out and trying to get every kid involved. But, uh, you know, how, you look in this church, right here in this church, there's people that could use, and I appreciate the people that do cards and encouraging letters. You may say, preacher, I can't reach out and go talk to somebody. Okay, initially, don't reach out and go talk to anybody as far as reaching out. Try, sit down and write a note and a letter. Get involved with a missionary. Find some missionaries. Find a missionary kid and start, you know, trying to encourage them or a missionary and start, start trying to uh, reach out to them. I'm saying find somebody else to be a part of. I mean, and so, so those are some things that I would encourage you to help besides understanding the truth that you do not have to, you don't have to, you don't have to stay trapped in loneliness is what I'm trying to say. Here's just some other practical things, and I'll say this in closing, that uh, I can't remember where this came from, but uh, I'll just share it. It just says, look up old friends. You know, for those that are maybe are a little bit more social, even just somebody that you were friend with, maybe you're not the most social, but you were friends with this person, look them up, give them a call, shoot them a message. Uh, say more if it's on Facebook Messenger than how are you today, because I'm not replying to that. I know who you are. Um, but, you know, reach out. Find somebody. Look up old friends. They may want to catch up too. Some of you may be comfortable trying to talk to a stranger. Look somebody in the eyeball. Hand them a gospel track. Amen. We've got these great tracks. And it, it's, it's, it can be very unintrusive. A lot of times I'll just say, hey, can I invite, I'd like to invite you to our church. Sometimes, hey, can I just leave this with you to read? You know, just something simple like that. But a lot of times it's just as a way to engage people. And I did that on uh, uh, Saturday. I did that. Uh, taking the, we took the kids out to the driving range. Uh, which is embarrassing. Uh, especially when this knucklehead and knucklehead one, knucklehead two uh, are just putting me to shame. Evan's out there. He's, I bet he's played golf altogether probably not 20, 30 times in his life. And he's out there hitting 250-yard drives just straight down the... Uh, and, and, and what am I doing? Connor, I'll tell you, I'm hitting them further. No, I'm not hitting them further. I'm, I'm hitting them out about 25 feet, but you've got to watch out if you're in this direction because they're just coming. Just watch your ankles. Just lift your feet because they're coming across the ground really fast this way. I hate golf. Uh, 
But I'm out there at the driving range. Why? Because the kids wanted to go to the driving range. So I took them out of the driving range, and I, shouldn't have, I wasn't going to hit them, and I just shouldn't have hit, but I did anyway. But my point is, there was a couple out there. And I just go to this guy and said, hey, said, I'd like to invite you to church. Beautiful couple. I hope they're listening, and I hope they get to come. But I got to just sit and have a great conversation with just a beautiful young couple uh, and invite them to church and, uh, and just kind of just relate to somebody and talk to somebody. But that all just happened just by saying, hey, here. Uh, hey, listen to this. Practice gratitude. Focus on things in your life that you feel blessed about. Uh, you can only think one thing at a time. And I know things are bad, and I know you may have it bad. But I promise you there are some good things still in your life. Try to, try to practice gratitude. Get an attitude of gratitude. Um, exercise. I'm not telling you to become a CrossFit champion. But get out and walk. Uh, get, get enough sleep. Uh, I mean... Just, just some mood regulation. Exercise helps with that. Take a class, learn something, read a book, volunteer. Something that, again, we were working toward uh, as we, you know, COVID, we're trying to get, again, back on track from those COVID days uh, when it first hit. But I'll say this. One of the things I want to do is I want to try to get uh, a total involvement ministry going here at the church to where there is something, because there is something for every one of you to do in this church. But just helping put that before you and saying, hey, here's something you could be involved in. Maybe it's just sending a note to a first-time visitor saying, thanks for coming. We loved having you. Uh, you know, it could be just the, the, the most from something behind the scenes to something teaching or whatever, but total involvement. Everybody, no matter what age, has something they can do. Amen? And so let's all stand and...